0: Hello and welcome to the Ask the Industry podcast, episode 24. For those of you new to the show, this is the podcast where I interview the most influential people from the worlds of stand-up, comedy, radio, TV, and today, promoting... Peter Walsingham runs the legendary tryout night at the Downstairs at the King's Head Comedy Club. It has run for over 20 years and is one of the most sought-after nights in the capital. To the point of, I think he mentioned in the podcast, there's about a five-month waiting list for anyone who wants to book today, which is amazing. He's very open about the fact that he runs the club in conjunction with a whole other life and a whole other career that he does outside of comedy. We talk about how that is, how he juggles the two, and why he keeps them completely separate. He's never done a podcast before. It was kind of his first interview. And in it, he stated very openly that normally he doesn't, just because he doesn't see him as an interesting part of the club. It's not, uh, he's sort of in the background of it, sorting it all out. He's not the focal point, and it's just a really interesting way that he could look at that. We also talk about his loyalty to performers and not just comedians, we're talking musicians and writers who have been with him for years, and the value of variety in keeping his nights fresh and interesting for both him and his audiences. We also go into detail about his policy of turning away stag and hen parties, uh, which in the current climate of a lot of clubs kind of trying to attract big groups of people, it's a really interesting model that his club kind of sticks to their laurels and sticks to their guns on how they've always been. Even to the point that he makes comedians. He's one, he's, I think he's the only knight I know of who makes comedians ring up at 9 o'clock in the morning to book a spot. Everyone else has an email and we get into that and why that is a historical layover from when he started out the night when there was no internet. So it's a really interesting interview and uh, one of my favourite parts was his secret book of notes. Which he keeps and has kept since his first gig where he writes down feedback and uh, notes on... On what he thinks of every performance that has taken place at his club. It's amazingly interesting and it really gives you an insight as to how to run a really good comedy night. But also the background and also like how the circuit has evolved and how his clubs had to evolve. While sticking to the model and the ethos and just the way that they were originally founded. I'm not going to say too much more, but very quickly, if you haven't already, please hit subscribe. There's loads of other podcasts like this that are coming out. If you have time, if you could review it in iTunes, that would be amazing. It really helps out. We're one-off 30 reviews. Please, someone, just you don't even have to write anything. Just hit the five-star thing if you think it was worth that. Don't lie. Um, but if you think it was worth five stars, please hit the five-star m- mark and it will take us over 30, which would make me immeasurably happy. Join the Facebook group, it's called Ask the Industry Podcast, it's on Facebook, Um, you should be able to find it, it's sort of a private group, but only so that I don't get spammers, so just join and I'll accept you, no matter who you are, whatever kind of performance you do, even if you're not a performer and you're just a member of the public and you want to see more about what goes on behind the scenes join you're all welcome it's absolutely fine thank you very much to the to my latest patron which is alfie nooks you can hear more about him in episode 21 he's a comedy club promoter who runs the we are funny project and is still crowdfunding his potential big investment in a whole new purpose-built comedy club in london if you want to find out more about that you can go to bit.ly.com forward slash fund the project um all the details are there Thank you so much for joining the patrons. If you want to join the patrons and you want to support this podcast on an ongoing basis, please do. From $1, that will cost you 80p an episode. It's really not that expensive. If you want more details on that, please look back in the pods a couple of episodes ago. I just printed like a 10-minute explanation on what Patreon is, but essentially it just gives me a budget. It helps me out. And uh, it takes a lot of pressure financially off of trying to run this show. So if you can join and you can donate from $1... It's really not that expensive, and if enough of you do it, I can really put more time and effort into these, and I can really put more time and effort into getting the live shows up and running, which would be so exciting. I'm so pumped for that. Okay, um, if you want, if you don't want to do that and you want to do a one-off donation, please do it on PayPal. Uh, you can find all the links on the website. Really quickly, um, my Edinburgh show, as I've said in a few pods before, but if this is your first one, my Edinburgh show. I am going up to Edinburgh and doing the whole month. I was at Calgate Head. Please ignore that in the programme. That has been ruined by a number of factors. As a result, I've had to relocate my show. I am now at Just the Tonic Caves. I'm in the spare room. I'm at 7.30pm, so the same time. And I'm doing every single day except the 19th and the 24th, I think. So um, you can find all the details on the website. Um, please do come. You can reserve a free ticket, which means you have a guaranteed seat on my website. Um, it's They're all on Eventbrite, so if you're a member of that, just go and have a browse. It really helps me get an idea of how many people are coming and what days I'll have to promote more and less and whatever. It's just an experiment to see if people will reserve tickets uh, for free shows, uh, which don't cost you anything. It's not like you're paying up front. It's completely free show, donations at the end, but um yeah so please do reserve a ticket if you're going to come and uh, without any more delays this is Peter Walsingham well we're an old club so uh we, we're sort of loyal to a lot of people who,
2: many of whom don't do the circuit so much so if you're looking at uh, an average <laughs> uh you know there are going to be some comics who uh you know you'd think are top of the bill types who might play slightly more often because uh their pulls, but I would imagine somebody would play here two maybe three times a year and we do two regular shows a week um on the Saturday and Sunday which for established comics and then the Thursday we do a a tryout night where we see 14 new new people doing five minutes each which we bleed through into the weekends when they're ready and we do other stuff as well so there's things like joke thieves and you know, one-off shows, but on an average, I'd say you know three, three times a year. If you ring as a comic now and want to get a tryout spot today, um, you're normally looking at a five-month wait. So even as a tryout, you're going to do it less than twice a year.
0: Yeah, quite in demand. Mm. The interesting part for me is that you ring in for your club yes. to actually book, yeah. which is quite unusual now. I'd say old school. Is there a reason for that? (laughs) Yes, because anybody who... uh, uh,
2: I I mean, I have other jobs to do. You know, I have another life, and uh, I don't want the phone going all day, um, emailing. So many people will say, uh, here are my dates, and then you reply and say, well, let's do the fourth, and then they say, well, it's gone now, or vice versa. So you end up in an eternal loop of, uh, on the phone, I expect you'd have your diary open, I've got mine open, and it's done, you know. And once uh, it's in the book, it's in the book. And then about a week before, you'll get a confirmation email just with the running orders and all of that kind of stuff. But uh, it's partly a filter. And I do 9 to 11 in the mornings just to get the fuckers up. Because, yeah. you know, <laughs> I just believe learn. that if you're serious about this business, you'll be up, you know, working. Yeah. And so many people say, oh, I don't get up till 12,
0: you know. Welcome.
2: Yeah, well, it's just, a, it's just a filter to stop the phone from going all day. But it's, it's also a lot faster, a lot faster for you to ring up and just say, what's the next date available? We check our diaries and it's done. We don't, I don't have to, to and fro with, uh, <laughs> you know, oh, I've got something else come in now.
0: So it's kind of a historical thing that's kept going through. This is
2: from the, before the days of the interweb. <laughs> we used to do it by carrier pigeon when we started. But, uh, you know, found them unreliable. Like comedians, yes. Well, certainly more reliable than a lot of comics. My wife says, "Why do I treat comics like children?" When you find out they've been driving round the completely wrong town to look for a gig, then you realise that uh, some of them aren't that bright.
0: There was that famous one recently. Who? who Sean Walsh went uh, Hereford
2: instead of Hartford.
0: Yeah, it's pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you you're not you don't live in London.
2: No, I live out of London. Yeah.
0: Is there a reason why you, do you live in London when you started this?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah so you still live around the corner from here, and that's hence why we were here. Um, no, I've got grown-up children and dogs, and and my other work, I work from home, and uh, didn't want to be in town. I, you know, it's not a financial choice as well, you get more for your money getting out of London, you know.
0: So what's the... You live in Cambridge, right?
2: I live live between London and Cambridge, yes.
0: So what's the circuit like there? Have you thought about starting a night?
2: The thing is, the circuit, I run this room. I don't really go much elsewhere. You know, a lot of people say, how do you... um, You know, what's the state of the circuit? Well, I only hear it by osmosis, you know, through other comics. I speak to other promoters. And I've been around since the beginning of the circuit, so I know most of the people. Um, and they go to comedy binos and conferences and those kind of things. It's where you hear it and you get the tenor of what the world is like. But uh, a lot of comics will say, you know, how do you, you know, how should I be doing? As what what should be my next stage? Well, I don't know because I don't run a Friday night in Romford to a bunch of rugby players, or I don't run a Tuesday afternoon gig in a library to WI. You know, I run my room and that's, and I put in what I like here. Um, I mean, I've booked for other places in the past. I used to, you know, book for the comedy cafe, and I've booked for a lot of provincial theatres, and and I still run a few shows out of town. But it's in my image, you know, it's what I want to see.
0: So, so um, as for, I mean, this particular room, how did you discover? Was it just because it was the most local venue? Yeah, or yeah. Uh,
2: my old partner Hugh Thomas, who was a, a lecturer of mine at uh, Middlesex Poly, as it was then. Um, he had done a few shows in the um, the first days of the Comedy Store, been gonged off, and and but liked the vibe of it, and it was off that time, and it was different. Um, and he wanted to do something similar uh, that wasn't a bear pit, uh, and was more supportive and nurturing for developing talent. So we set up a few shows here in late 81, just doing um, one-offs. Um, I mean, you know, there were a few acts around then, like Arnold Brown and, you know, those sort of people who were you know, the first people at the Comedy Store. But, uh, so this was the room, and the, the, the then-landlord, um, Malcolm and Sue, who lived here with their family, it's very different in those days with pubs, um, just, you know, said go ahead, use the room. And then it developed from there, really. We just continued with the same ethos. It's not... it's The room's got a good reputation for being nice audiences. We discourage idiots.
0: You know. do you actively, how do you actively discourage idiots? What's your... Uh,
2: <laughs> I offer to show them my penis. And <laughs> uh, they're usually quick out of the door then. No, you should really be on top of that at the point they come in you know some people will show themselves through the course of an evening and you don't expect if you've got your eye on one nutter they'll usually be out nuttered by somebody else (laughs) um now you know we do have to eject people very occasionally but it's usually the 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 peer pressure works in this room because the bulk of the people who come here have been before and they know what the vibe is and won't tolerate idiocy, you know. So you get so, a lot of
0: repeat audiences.
2: Uh, well, we used to say nobody ever comes here twice. You know, but, uh, they keep coming. Yes, I, I'd imagine an average audience member perhaps comes here six times a year, maybe less. But uh, touch wood, we're still selling out.
0: Does that does that impact your decision on who to book? Because I imagine you don't. Yes, want-
2: I mean, we used to have a, a character who came in the early days. Um, shall remain nameless Gerald Wellesby was his name Um, who was cursed with a photographic uh, memory and would sit in the front row and if he heard any material that anybody had done in the last 12 years (laughs) he'd tut under his breath nobody else could hear except the performer and uh, to his credit Some years later, he had a go at doing it himself and uh, did a very good, strong five minutes on the condition that I said the deal is you come back in six weeks and do a completely different five minutes. And he came back and did uh, something about ten weeks later and struggled and fell back on some material that he knew had worked the last time. And, you know, one member of an audience who'd learnt to, uh, you know, who'd, who'd could now understand implicitly why people repeat material and how difficult it is to bleed new. Did you touch? N- no, you? no, we didn't touch. But uh, he did have the, uh, he did have for a while. The, uh, I can't remember if this is true or not, but we seem to remember it. That he sometimes read the paper if he'd have seen an act before. So I think when he came on, a few of us had a paper ready.
0: It, it it sounds like. There's no progression ladder here as such, because... You of course book there
2: is. That's what the Thursdays are for. Well,
0: no, but, I mean, you, you book who you like, so it's not yeah. quite as linear as if you just... Is, is there, like, a meritocracy to it, where, like, you, you know... Obviously yeah, I don't,
2: we don't use the word headliner here. OK. We've no, I, I actively avoid it. Right. You might be the last act on, but you're not the headliner. You're the final act on. And um, I instruct MCs to avoid using that word. I don't like it. I think it puts an undue pressure on the performer and an undue expectation on the audience. You know, whether you're on the beginning of the show or whenever, you've still got to get here and do your time and uh, deliver the goods. Um, I mean, it's obviously, if we've got somebody like Eddie Izzard or whatever playing here, I generally put him on in the middle of the evening, you know, because it's an undue pressure on somebody having... you, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. We'll put him up before the interval so that... Uh, Anyway, I mean, we generally don't announce any of those names when they come back and visit us from uh, from the past, but a lot, a lot still do because I mean I forget that generally most most acts will have said this is the first paid gig they did in London. I forget that you know, so they have a, a fond memory of the place and, and still loyal to it.
0: You're talking about like people who at the moment who are doing like circuits. Or oh yeah, they'll come and
2: warm up stuff for TV, if they run a, want to run ten minutes in, or they've got a tour coming up want to run material in. So most people pop in now and again. I mean, there's very few people who've not played here at one point or another, including, you know, Louis C.K. and John Stewart, and, and, you know, big big international names as well, you know.
0: So the main way of moving up the ladder is by impressing you directly at your yeah, time? Yes,
2: yeah, yeah. I, you know, I don't... You know, people say, I'll send you my CV or my video. I, I, you know, I want to see how you work this room, you know. I tend to less, listen less to material and watch how people work, you know, how, how they communicate and what sort of contact they make with a, with an audience. This isn't theatre, it's, uh, it's not television. It's about being in this room at that time.
0: And you, um, you've been around for 20, 30 years now, so... Yeah. Do you think new clubs that are starting out with the same kind of ethos as you would be able to build such a reputation? Of course, yeah.
2: As I say, I don't visit that many clubs, but why not, you know? I mean, there's loads of niche clubs starting now with, the, you know, geek comedy or, or whatever. If, you know, Do something to your own, for your own audience, you know. I mean, the only rule I generally give uh, new performers when they ask for advice is, you know, do what you think is funny. You know, don't try and tailor it to be like someone you you admire or do something that you think is going to get you work. Just do do the truth. You know, do what you find funny. It may not work for years, but if you you know you will find it eventually. You'll find your voice. But there's absolutely no reason why any club couldn't start tomorrow. <clears throat> and you know if they if they look after their audiences and they look after their performers. Um, and and, all the ancillary staff why you can't do something similar I mean in the same way you could set up a club that was horrific if you wanted to but it's not what I would want to go and see
0: You do, I mean you only run clubs, you don't perform at all No So do you think that's the difference, I mean, because a lot of clubs
2: No, I'm funnier than most people (laughs) that's the truth of it and if I went on stage nobody would stand a chance (laughs) Um no, I've never never been uh, tempted by it really you know um, I do have a an ability to remember most jokes you know I, I have a brain for that Um so I do spot somebody very quickly if it's uh, purloined and I usually tell them I know who's actu- who that joke belongs to or that it's 52 years old and uh don't think you can get away with it because I know it exists um, no I don't want to perform I I, I know it sounds trite but uh, it's a genuine pleasure even after 30 odd years at the end of an evening to watch an audience file out knowing that they've had two and a half e- hours out of their life you know just uh, switched off and enjoying themselves
0: you know? Yeah, you enjoy promoting
2: yeah of course well, if I don't I won't get in the car and uh You know, people say, why do you still do it? Um, You know, apart from the the huge amounts of money that I've ripped off from performers over the years. You know, um, this is no money in this. You know, I don't make much money out of it. But but I genuinely enjoy watching new people come through. And there are always going to be new people. At the moment, as I said, if you've got a five-month waiting list, multiply that by, you know, four and a bit weeks, four and a bit, times 14, 15, you're looking at hundreds of people waiting to get on the ladder. You know, differing um, abilities and, and, uh, and chances. But, uh, I, I, you know, there's only two or three people in 30 years that I've said don't ever come back, and they've needed mental help or, or police custody. Um, you know, but people can come and die here as much as they like. Uh, it doesn't matter.
0: So, so you'll actively tell someone if they're not good or you think they're not. They People
2: should. ask for my I keep notes on everybody who's ever been here. Every, every Thursday, I keep notes, four or five sentences on everybody's performance ever, since back to 1986, which was our first tryout night. So, you know, if you've ever played here, I will have a sentence on every, you know, a, a few sentences on every time you've been here on a Thursday night. And that's how I can watch people develop and make sure they're ready to move on. We move straight 15-minute paid slots here, no 10s. And uh, I know when people are ready for this room. I mean, they may already be playing many other rooms, but it uh, might not suit this room.
0: Do you ever worry that, like, say you see someone do a really good five at your tryout night, mm. and then you book them for a 15, they don't have 15?
2: Yeah, well, yeah, I know, I can see, I'm experienced enough to know that they've got strength in depth. I mean, there's plenty of examples of performers who've uh, you know, been catapulted for very zeitgeisty reasons, you know, being in the right place at the right time and whatever, who aren't ready. And there are other people who I've seen over the years who are fully formed on first showing. Somebody like Mark Lamar, who, you know, when he started, didn't really have much in the way of material, but he was just really able to work a room, you know, very watchable and competent. There's still those sort of people coming through now and again, and that's a real pleasure when you see that. You know? There are some people I will book for the first, you know, the first time I see them, and you know, um, it does happen. But most people, you need, you know, it's like any job. You need to learn the ropes, and uh, you know, there's an analogy, uh, you know, comparison, a uh, com- uh, uh, correlation with uh, the old theatre thing of doing the reps, you know, you'd go out and uh, work hard for little money <laughs> for a few years so that you could deal with any eventuality and you were ready when the time came, you know
0: Would you ever tell a comedian to just stop? Just to... I'd say
2: two or three people over the years but they've been, you know uh, either physically dangerous or or so, so um, obnoxious you know uh, I mean, I would we won't have I, you know, so many acts now. So many young acts come out, and it's quite graphic sexual material. And you just think, well, you know, it's that's, that's a cheap, it's a cheap route. You know, I, you know, I'd rather see somebody crash and burn gloriously with interesting ideas than, you know, common denominator laddish stuff. And it's coming from the women as well. It's a lot of. And I don't know whether that's because other clubs are harder to play and they have to have that material under their belt, belt, but it's certainly not what I don't I want to see here. It's um, it's not what this place is about. But in terms of telling people not to work again, very few over the years. I've made it clear that I don't I might not find this stuff. You know, I don't I don't think it's suitable for here. But if they adjust and learn the biggest trick of the game which is the only trick any good comic should know which is called you know, knowing how to play the room every room is different, every night is different you might be in the same room on a different night or on the same day You know, it's going to change and the, the skill is being able to read and play a room so if you come down here and do knob gags and rape references you should be sensible enough to realise that that's not going to work here might somewhere else but not here
0: have like a downstairs at the King's Head 5
2: if that's what you want to call it but then you should do that because you you know you wouldn't go on Christian television and do and do fucking my sister material you know
0: yeah <laughs> you won't get that gig no no yeah. you won't be invited back anyway uh,
2: you know if you, if you get a cruise to a mixed audience with family on board well paid you're not going to last long if you don't play to that audience if you're serious about this business you, you you should be able to you know be able to sit on a game show panel and do what's needed for that be able to do 40 minutes to camera or 30 minutes to a rough crowd or an hour to a you know semi comatose Tuesday afternoon literary festival or whatever you know play the room
0: it's interesting you should say. Uh, maybe other clubs you have to maybe you know have the harsher or, or, or more crass material because that's the way they are. I mean, th- there are certain clubs that are known for you know getting uh, stag parties in or yeah, parties. yeah, yeah,
2: which is something we actively avoid. You know, I've so many times had phone calls for large bookings and I've just turned them away to someone else. You know, I don't want them. Um, it's not what a good comedy club. What well, no, it's not what our comedy club is about. If you're going to go to one of those rooms that has group thanks people made no commitment to the to the show. Um and it's interesting that some chains that supposedly their unique selling point is that they're a comedy club. The word comedy is the last part of the sentence. It's dance, eat, drink, laugh, you know. So it shows you what is really going on there in terms of how the chain they just see that as a as a means to an end, to get bums on seats. I won't ever do a free show. You know, even if it's fifty p to get in, at least you've made a contract, and that fifty p is something I can give back when I tell you to leave. You know, I can say, right, yeah. I don't want you here. Here's your quid back. You know,
0: that's interesting because I mean, what do you make of the other free clubs that are out there at the moment? Things like Barry Ferns's, um Angel Comedy that gets in a massive audience, but. Pay what they want at the way out. Well,
2: you're still saying pay. There's a there's a pay structure
0: there. You know, I, I don't go. To, I mean,
2: I haven't seen them working. I'm sure. Uh, you know, I'm sure a lot of them are fine. You know, um, I think you create your own audience, and that's fine if you can control that. What I'm talking about the sort of gigs where a pub say has said, "Well, here's a budget for a, a performance," and you, you know, you're going to be next to the jukebox and the and the you know the, the slot machine and there's no, there's been no investment by people. You just wander through because you know they've not paid to get in. So why? What's to stop them going in and out and not paying attention and coming in for a chat? <laughs> um, you know, a good compare should make a room work. But uh, I, you know, I understand the principle of free clubs. I don't have a problem with them. Um, I don't see how if you're going to make a living out of it. It, be- it becomes much more than a hobby otherwise.
0: In terms of... Uh, so someone at my level, I'm, I'm about four and a half years in, I haven't I haven't got an audience as such for my own stuff. Yeah. Like, I, you know, if I do a preview, I had, like, 15 at my last preview, yeah. for example. So I get a few people yeah. down, but I, I had to do it as pay what you want on the way out Yeah. because they weren't going to pre-book. Yeah. So, I mean, is it... I mean,
2: Why would you, they not pre-book? I don't know. Well, did you... You know, I mean, it's everything's everything's part of the game now and it's I, I have, have no problem with it whatsoever um, but you know, if you want stage time yes, you know, put a stage up, but somebody's got to pay for the mics and somebody's got to do the publicity, that takes time, energy and, and finance, you know, there's only so far you can go with that you know, unless you're on a deal with the bar when they're saying, you know, you know we'll get a percentage of that when you say free clubs, I didn't realise you meant pay what you can, pay what you think, or pay what you want. You know that's different. That's you know because you should you know Edinburgh Free Fringe has been a good example of how actually you can come out of that experience better off
0: than than doing it the other way, and that's entirely laudable. So you think so? Maybe free should only be for open mic stuff. More no, more. I'm not saying anything. Okay.
2: You, you know, I mean, I'm just saying it's not something I would do. Okay. Because I don't, apart from the the tryout nights, I don't put any shows on where I don't pay someone. Okay. If you if you do one of my shows, you get paid. You know, I mean, it's a door split. It might be shit, but you will get paid, and it will be a fair split. You know? The split being that I get most of it, and you get very little of it. Okay. No, I'm kidding. I'm sure you can hear the laughter ringing round. Um, no. That's You know, we pay, we pay on time and fairly. Um, if you want to do this professionally, I presume you want to be paid for it. Mm. And a lot of acts who might not uh, work for as little as you get paid here will continue to play here because what they get is a nice ride mm. uh, and a comedy-cognizant crowd and a room that is run properly for audiences and performers
0: I mean there's a few there was a few talks last year uh, Chortle did a load of stuff about whether the, the circuit's in crisis and I, and I presume you wouldn't have much to say on that because you don't really do or go around the circuit
2: Well, yes, I hear I hear it from everybody else you know it, they've been saying the bubble was going to burst about nine, ten years after it started in about 1989 and it's continued to be about to burst since then um it's the circuit will always find its own level. You know, there will always be gigs to three men and a dog, and the same five acts staring at each other beforehand. <coughs> yeah, yeah. It's it won't. It, it may change its spots. It may downsize, but the cream will always, uh, you know, come to the top. You know, badly won, run rooms won't last, and well run, well run rooms should i mean the slight difference between this and you know many other uh, you know entertainment formats is that most comedy clubs are shows that run in other rooms you know in pubs and theatres and might run on a weekly or monthly basis people don't own the bricks and mortar i don't here i you know i lease from from the brewery, as it were, but uh, um, you know, at any point they could say, "Right, we're we're uh, we're bulldozing the the place," and I you know I don't have a say in that. I'd get six months' notice, and we'd have to move. But I mean, we we reckon we're the oldest club still in its original home. You know? um, so I don't think the bubble has burst. I mean, if you look at uh, if you look down the TV listings and see how much is comedy-led, you know, in terms of programming. There's no way that, uh, that comedy's in a bad way at the moment. It's not a, it's not a mi- no minority sport by any means.
0: No, you know? not at all. But the, the, a lot of the comedy listings are either game shows or panel shows that have been around for a while.
2: But they're fed by people who've come through the circuit, you know. Um, the circuit still exists. As I say, it may, it may sort itself out and and slim down a bit, but I haven't. You know, clubs are still opening. It used to be that if the Bible would be time out and you'd look through, you you know you'd have a page of listings for each day of the week. There was that many clubs around, but I, I don't think they. You know, no matter what they told you, you would wonder how many of them could sustain themselves.
0: What's because um, a lot of club owners have commented on timeout, like the the traction from that dropping.
2: Uh, yes, but that that's been a natural um, victim of uh, print media, you know, and everything moving into into electronic, uh, you know, information. That's that's how it's spread now. You know, we rely, and I think any good good business does now on a mixture of traditional methods and new social media, you know. None works independently. Not, you know, not one thing. I mean, a good example. You know, a lot of businesses now have been told you've got to tweet and you've got to get. Go.
1: Life is full of awesome what ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.
2: likes and you know this and that yes it all helps but it's not in isolation Then it's not enough unless your tweeting is into the million mark yeah you know we had a, an occasion here recently with an actor who was on a well-known act um who was on unannounced and particularly unannounced because he didn't have a visa to do live performance here he was just had a work permit to do broadcast but he wanted to do a couple of gigs as he often does when he comes here, over um and i i i said you know he, he he appeared unannounced on a bill and he was on the next night and i said look it's a sunday night it won't be as busy tomorrow sundays are a lot quieter and he said oh, Well i'll tweet it and i said well i thought you weren't allowed to do so he said oh, fuck it you know i don't mind you know And in the hour it took me to leave, from leaving here that night and getting home, in that hour the show had sold out in an hour from one tweet. And I saw him the next night and said, (laughs) "Do you know, you know, how many followers do you have?" He said, "I about 160,000." I said, "Well, that's extraordinary because, uh, you know, we sold out in an hour." He said, "Oh, Alan Carr retweeted it." Now Alan Carr's got three and a half million. You know, when you consider that's a 20th of the population, and out of that, you're probably going to hit most people who like comedy who've opted in for, you know, so within an hour, you, you could hit every comedy fan who's got the a, a, a tweeter on, you know, or looking at the tweets. So that at that level, those things are useful, but you know, for most clubs, it's, it's difficult to get... Tens of thousands of followers or you know. So the old rule used to be for theatrical fly postering and uh, you know for leafleting and whatever, was that one um, percent would be a good mar- mark to hit. So if you had 10,000 leaflets done and they cost 150 quid, that would mean that you'd hopefully get 100 people responding to that. And if your ticket was ten quid a ticket, um, then it's worthwhile because you made you know you've made your money, you can do your sums on that. Yeah. but I think it's the same with with all advertising not well, advertising, I don't mean advertising, I just mean listings you know we don't do any advertising as such you don't pay for any um, just put the listings in and make sure that our mailing lists are well you know looked after and people. You have to opt in to, to join our our um, Facebook groups. You choose to. You don't automatically get put on them by any means. So we have probably smaller mailing lists and smaller Facebook groups than most clubs, but they're very loyal. And if I say that X is coming next week, I need to say jump on it, you know. I mean, for instance, we've got something happening here next month, which... I don't know when, when this goes out. <laughs> um, Probably in May. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it'll be gone. Uh, Catlin Moran, you know, Oh wow! She okay. comes down. She'll do a whole evening down here. I don't need to tell anybody. You know, I'll just put the word out and it'll sell out in minutes. I'd
0: come to that. Yeah. 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 She's great. Yeah. She's awesome.
2: Yeah. And she does an hour and a half of stand up without ever having done stand up.
0: Yeah. She's fantastic. Yeah. I didn't know she did stand up.
2: No, she doesn't. No. Yeah, that, that's the sort of thing we do down here that you, you never know about. you know we, we do the same with music as well. A lot of well-known bands play down here, for, for whatever reason, for charity or just because they want to have a play. Snow Patrol did it last year and, um, you know, we've had... Uh, the Eurythmics used to be across the road, so we used to do a Wednesday night with the Eurythmics, where they just... Um, whoever was in the studio would come down and one night we had uh, basically the Eurythmics um, back line, you know, rhythm section and we had... Uh, Harry Dean Stanton on harmonica, and Bill Wyman. It was just like a, a jam, you know, with uh, well-known people.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, my, uh, you don't, I don't pretend you've Googled me or know who I am. My,
2: no, I, I don't, uh, I, as I say, I don't, you know, I don't... I only do what I need to do. <laughs> and that's, that's the thing, it's about, you know, if you come and do a show for me, you know, if you come and do a 5 minutes. I will make notes on you and remember who you are, but I'd, I wouldn't look you up beforehand and, and find out what no. you have done or what you were doing. I mean, I, I get lent on a lot by promoters to book blind, but I don't and never have done. Even if it's somebody who's already touring stadiums, I still ask them to come down and do five minutes, you know, because I've made mistakes in the past booking blind, you know, people telling us how, how brilliant they are in their CVs, and they've done every Mirth Control gig in Portsmouth you know, doesn't tell me anything. You
0: know? Well, I was only going to say, because uh, my day job, I work in social media. Yeah. So I'm aware that having 600 fans that care is better yeah. than 20,000. Yeah, thousand. and
2: you, you said I was very difficult to find anything on. Yeah. Because I don't, you don't need to know about me. You need to come and have a good night here. I'm not important to all of this. You know, it's not about me. There are other club runners who will always tell them it's a tell you it's about them you know but uh, even Don Ward you know keeps his head down runs a good club you know that's you when you, I mean, you don't go to the theatre and ask you the general manager is you go to see the show makes sense oh.
0: so you in a way you think or, or I don't want to put words in your mouth but in a way do you think that a good comedy club runner or, or a good comedy club promoter is <laughs> in the background if anything
2: yeah I mean I, I I would generally suggest that you 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 don't run and MC your own club. You know, I mean, run a club well, or MC a club well. But if you're going to MC your club, get somebody else to run it that night for you, so that you can concentrate on that, and the other person can concentrate on making sure that the audience is looked after and uh, everything's running properly and the sounds right and the lighting's right and all that kind of stuff. But uh, um, yeah, I do promoters they shouldn't be self-promoting they should be promoting the show
0: you, you said earlier that um, there were like theme nights coming up I- around London you know things like the pun run or, or what you
2: run. were asking about uh, clubs that could set up and you know maintain themselves on a uh, on a low or, it, or no income and, and create audiences well yeah you create your audiences with, by providing something that people want um, or teaching people to want it
0: which one did you do? A, b- a bit
2: of both, really. We, you know, we actively discourage um,
0: the sort of audiences that
2: aren't bright enough to, to um, you know, listen.
0: Yeah, so, uh, so when you set up, when you started, did you have, like, a theme in mind, or did you just want to run...? Just
2: to be friendly and supportive. But there was no circuit then. There were was, was five, six clubs, if that. And it didn't really have a name. It used to be called Cabaret. I mean, the time-out section was called cabaret, and then it changed to comedy in uh, 89, 80, 90, something like that. I can't remember. You can look that up. And there was a big hoo-ha then about whether it uh, should be changed from alternative cabaret to comedy. Because the early bills would be variety bills. You'd be, It would be very unusual to have more than two straight comics on one of those bills you'd have a double act some sort of special act you might be a clown or a <coughs> juggler and you'd certainly have some music in there um, so it was old you know sort of through line from the variety bills of the 50s and the end of the pier shows but but with different content
0: did you move into just being comedy because the audience wanted it or because that was just... No, we still was...
2: do music and, we still, and, I, and my bills, if you ever look at them, are actually quite, still quite rooted in variety. You it's very rare that you'll get five stand-ups in a row at, and at Compare you'll have something else in there. And if there are five stand-ups, they'll all be very different types, you know, uh, and different rhythms and different uh, content and different energies.
0: When you were talking about TV, do you, do you think TV's impacted people's viewing habits when they come out to live? Oh, yeah, no, there's, a, there's a, yeah, of course. There's a
2: second generation audience now that have only experienced comedy in the big rooms. Uh, it's, this is still rather like rock and roll, you know. If you're into it and know what you, uh, and enjoy seeing stuff up close and real, and if you're into music, you'll be going to the, the various clubs around the country that used to be. Frequented by A and R men, and the corolla. You know, the, the correlation there is with comedy is that these sort of rooms is where you, you you learn your trade, get good at it, and then, as ever, telly will cream off the top. Um, they make no investment in new talent at all. They let let the market do that, and then, of course, then that feeds because. Or, Right at the top end, there's money to be made from telly, but the big money is in in touring the big rooms. So, in order to get three thousand people into a large theatre at you know, twenty five quid a pop, you've got to be on telly. And then those, you know, good percentage of those people, uh, you know, will be going to see you because you're on telly. But they wouldn't ever have been in a local comedy club. Yeah. So yes, there's a there's a second generation. Some are bleeding back in. Some have always been coming. There's always enough people out there to to fill rooms. You've got to find them, mm. and then when they're in, you've got to teach them. You know what it's about, how to behave, what a good dynamic is between performer and an audience member, where not to cross the line.
0: But it feels like to me because because of the way TV's gone and because of the way the internet. Has sort of lowered people's attention span for content online. Or I feel like it has. It might be a bit like the generation, like the the generation above the generation at the moment is sort of a dying breed of people that like clubs like this. And maybe well, what's what's uh, what's
2: you know what's the attention span? I mean, it, I, I, if you're able to watch twenty six minutes of Friends on the telly, which might be you know that might be your parcel of attention before you go out and get something out of the fridge. You know, most, most uh, comedy sets are 20 minutes long. You know. It's the job of the performer to engage your, your attention for that long. I mean, what, the one thing that, uh, that saddens me now is not so much attention spans. It's the fact that most people want to watch life through a screen. So even if, if you do go to a gig, something live, you're going to be recording it through your iPhone or whatever and not actually be in the room. You, you've already created a barrier. Um you know, and you get home and watch it, and it's not what you remember it to be because it's and that's why television can never ever really recreate what it's like to see a live comedy gig because it, it immediately creates a fourth wall yeah I, and I, that, and the whole the whole thing about this medium is there is no fourth wall it's about sharing the type you know there may be a stage you can't see this on your Program, but uh, there's a carpet here at, at uh, ground level. You know, everybody's on the same level. It's like being in a in a lounge.
0: I, I jokingly said to a friend the other day that because you because f- everyone feels comfortable in their own lounge when you're watching a show through a screen, you're just trying to make it more like your lounge because you're watching a TV screen. Yeah. Because you feel uncomfortable.
2: <laughs> yeah. But you know, we you're not allowed to do it here. If we see you doing it, we ask you to turn it off. Partly because. You haven't got permission from the performer, you know? and that's your—you know—you can you can have spent you know, years working out a strong ten-minute set, and then to find that somebody's nicked it in Kuala Lumpur with, without you ever knowing it because it's been bled over there through uh, you know through the internet. You don't have any control over it then, and you know that's that's not fair. If it you know everybody signed a thing to say it is for personal use and it's only me who's going to watch it, that's fine, but. That didn't stop people, you know illegally downloading films and music. It's, it's, you can't the floodgates are open, you can't stop that. So. But I, I think it's a shame that if you you come for a night out and and you actually experience the night by keeping your eye on the focus on your phone, you know. Sorry,
0: that to be finished, but Yeah, ask uh, the next question. Well it was gonna be about I mean, your reputation has obviously been built over years of, of bringing down and putting on great shows. Were there any other, like, landmarks in the history of the club that maybe helped accelerate that?
2: Not really. No,
0: just keep going.
2: <laughs> you know, keep going. In my... I think,
0: my, you
2: know... I am blowing my own trumpet, but my instinct is good. You know, I know... I know people that will be good... We grab them early, and uh, um, you'll often see people here at the beginning of their careers. Who, you, you know, two years later you'll see all over the place. But we can spot those. Keep the quality and the value up of everything you put on. You know, don't overcharge. I mean, I do big. I've done lots of big shows for charities and, and stuff in the Palladium and big, big, bigger rooms. You know, that I've just run but this is this is the heart of it, and this is uh we just keep going and I mean, as long as there's a bottom end of the pyramid wanting to invest time and and you know energy into learning the trade and sticking with it you know I see a lot of part time people who have a bash at it or just doing it for a bet but i I'll see people who are serious about it and want to learn you know and and we will always provide a stage for them and then that keeps the place from stagnating. It means you've always got um,
0: a, a, a next generation. Do you, th- do you think because you don't want to be a comedian and because you have other jobs to subsidise what this... I mean, obviously this makes you money. I'm a male it?
2: prostitute and I made £8 pounds last year and I was working every weekend.
0: Um, that's how I subsidise this place. Well, no, my my question was going to be: Do you think be, because it's basically your your uh, side project, your main job? Is that fair to say? It's your. I mean, it's no, your, this is my, it's, this is what I like most. Okay, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm lucky enough to get other work
2: uh, right. doing other stuff, but I, I don't talk about that here. This is not relevant. You know, what I do here is what I do here, and what I when I'm in a recording studio doing something else uh, that I don't talk about having a comedy club. You know, yeah, um, but. Uh, um, no, we're well known. We're well liked, um, and uh, you know, as an audience, you, you, you will have a, a good night out here. It's very rare that you don't. Um, and uh, so, yeah, no major landmarks. We so just keep your head down and uh, and do things right. And do things your own way. Yeah, in the same way, I will tell a comic to only do something they find funny. Yeah. There's lots of well-known comics so I don't book much here because they're not suitable they're very popular elsewhere but it's not suitable for this room they set up the wrong energy the content it might be in my book misogynistic or edging on racist it's not what i'm interested in you know i'd rather have something a bit more meaty to think about and laugh with
0: and at you know? who, who are your favorite comedians uh, or current favorites
2: <laughs> there aren't any you know okay. I think the best comedy night is, is a mixed bill, you know. Not going to see one person do half a show and a support act, Yeah. know. OK. Um, I've got plenty of favourites over the years, but uh, all for different reasons.
0: OK. And do you, I mean, do you prefer to watch... Because if, you, if you're a fan of ideas, do you prefer to watch, like, a new person that you've not seen before try out something new? Or do you prefer to watch, like, the established comic that you've seen? Both. Years? I mean,
2: there are acts who I know they're... Uh, their act backwards I've seen them so often and I've seen the same lines in the same order but I wouldn't be- book them unless those lines in that order didn't work every time um, and in and the same way it's always interesting to watch a new act especially one I've not seen before you know? I watch everybody um, and if I'm not here I have other people you know, doing the same thing on my behalf and reporting back but I, I tend the one night I tend to try and make sure I'm here is the Thursdays which is the one night I make no money out of
0: okay and I, I, I noticed that, um, that there's been a few people that have recorded their Edinburgh like sort of DV, we've done
2: whole radio series and all sorts of stuff from down here you know because it just people like the room you know Sean Locke did 12 stories high the radio series here originally um, done lots of uh, DVD and well mostly CD you know radio recording stuff but uh, um, I can uh, I can tell you now and this might be a scoop for you but we're having a big refurb later in the year and one of the things that we'll be doing down here is rigging the room for uh, at least three cameras just stuck in the room so that, uh, that becomes very easy you don't have to bring a lot of gear down and there'll be you know, switching gear down here so that you just drop it straight into a hard disk, all the footage, and go away and edit it. We can already do that for sound here. We're well set up for sound. But, uh, so, for video and and streaming, um, we're looking at ways of making it work both ways as well so we can do stuff, you know, taking stuff from the internet and interacting with that live.
0: So is that, like, the way you want the club to go? You want more more shows to come here and be... Yeah, but I'm making it
2: future-proof so Right. So that uh, if we set the stuff up, I will wait for the ideas to come in. I've already had a lot of interest from people who've said, "I've always wanted to do something like this, but the, the infrastructure hasn't been here, hasn't been available." Well, that's what we're doing. Yeah.
0: So people can come and do their Edinburgh show kind of thing, and
2: yeah. But also, you can you you know you could project, you could uh, you, you could film stuff, you could uh, uh, you could interact with. Um, stuff on the internet, you could have a two-way thing with another club elsewhere in the world live, all that kind of stuff. All sorts of options available.
0: So is it a case of th- that all goes through you or through the pub, or is it like? No, no a- that's my, my investment. Yes, I oh.
2: would be putting that gear in. You know. Right. Yeah. So all these lights and things—they, your. are uh, a bit of both. I mean, the lights that shine downwards onto you are owned by the pub, but the you know sound gear and that kind of stuff partly is owned by the pub but, you know, they keep a bit back for their... But, you know, mostly outboard, bigger gear, I will bring in. But uh, they're actually making a big investment this year, the, the pub, so, you know, the brewery. So it's my job to put them on the map, but that's always been the case. You know, that's been the deal, that uh, they get a good reputation
0: and, and they don't really have, you know, they have somebody else doing the work for it, really. So uh, you're, you're, you said that you don't really pay for marketing. You, you do your own email newsletter. Oh, yeah. I mean, in, I, I, I'm saying we don't take out a lot of advertising
2: space or pay uh, third parties to... You know, I'm, I'm not constantly being approached by this or that media agency to, to target this or that. You know. It's a small room. We take 100 or so people here and we can do all right, just word of mouth. But, you know,
0: we've got 30 years behind us, so that helps. Yeah, I was going to say, do you, do you think because new clubs now to get people in mm. and then get them signed to a mailing list and stuff? Yeah. There's so many clubs that they they can kind of take and pick their choose. There's yeah. no, there's not this legacy that yeah. your one has. Yeah, absolutely. So do you? I mean, do you think that kind of still helps you in a way that it might not help a new club? I don't know. I mean,
2: we've we've had lots of uh, comedy clubs attempt to open here on our doorstep, and uh, you know, other promoters said, "Oh, you know, you're not going to put a brick through the window." He said, "No, can you go ahead because it." it all helps it will all you know everything settles and finds its level finds its level but uh, you know having said that this one keeps going you know so yeah legacy is one thing but uh, I can imagine it is that much harder now to to kick something like this off when I started or when we started there was probably ten rooms around London you know and we would be the North London one you know was Red Rose down the road That's long gone now and uh, the Earth Exchange up at Highgate, long before you were born.
0: Well, there's also there also wasn't that, that many comedians. No. no. Do, you, do you think, uh, in a way, because there's such a low barrier to entry to start uh, being a comedian, especially with the number of nights there are now. Do you think there are too many people trying it at the moment? I, I don't mind if five million try it, you know. Um, this,
2: you know, you could say tomorrow that you're uh, you, you could join the musicians union and say that you can play the trombone uh, you won't get any work until you can prove that you can play it but you can say you're a trombonist and you can go out and have a go you know at playing the trombone in front of 20 people but it might not be very good trombone but you can say you're a trombonist
0: yeah but not until you get the work coming in
2: can you say you're a Professional.
0: Yeah. If I'm yeah, I often joke with a couple of friends of mine because people sometimes put the word comedian in their name on Facebook yeah. and I'm like, you can do that all you want. Yeah, I know. Well, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I can say I'm a ballet dancer but I'm not going to get any work. You know? You've not tried. You uh, yeah. I, yeah I, <laughs> um, so do you, I mean, if we end on this one then, do you have... Uh, if, if you could give one bit of advice, or maybe just a, a few nuggets of advice that you've learnt over the years. To performers or to...? To people who want to start a club and maybe to performers as well. All if if right, you well, know.
2: performers... Um, uh, think about what you want to say and how you want to say it or do it. Um, do what you think is funny um, and keep trying, you know? Um... And it's not going to happen overnight unless you're very, very lucky. But it will happen eventually if you, if, if you keep doing it and you you follow what you think is funny, because that audience will find you. And in terms of promoting shows, respect your audiences, respect your acts. Um, you know, make sure both are looked after in terms of payment or in terms of what you give the customer value and and, uh, um, you know quality it's easy to start a a shit club but it's not going to last people won't come back and it's easy to be shit act but until you sort it out nobody will book you
0: when you say sorry one last thing then when you say a a good comedy night we've all I mean everyone's I mean there's sort of a, a through line for what most people think that includes but then like, there's idiosyncrasies between everyone's definition of that. Do you have like a specific... Well, there's some, some very practical
2: things. Have a focus in the room where the, where the stage is or the carpet. Make sure it's people can see it and hear it properly so it's well lit. Don't put round tables out where, by definition, a quarter of the audience has got their back to the stage. That's simple stuff, you know. Um... I would add personally, you know uh, you have somebody that greets people when they come in, somebody on the door taking tickets or or shaking the bucket before and after, however you want to do it, but um you know comedy nights should be curated properly. you can't just throw eighteen people on and not think about what you're doing you know um and I do see a lot of that a lot of people just chuck a bill together because. They know the five names they're putting on it, and they don't think about how the night is structured. You know, don't have goth music playing as the audience comes in because it's your favourite album because it's going to put them in the wrong mood. Think about things like that. It's show business. You know. It is show. It's not people chatting.
0: Hmm. And in, uh, sorry, and one last question about because this is your, your comp- third last. Question. I know, I know. It's, it's because you've you, <laughs> got to
2: put my clothes back on in a minute. <laughs>
0: Uh, you said people would leave if you saw your penis. I'm. Been yes, now. well,
2: that's exactly what I was saying.
0: What was I say about me? Um, one of the things you said was you said keep doing it. The audience will find you
2: as a performer. As a performer. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, if you if you've got the stage to do it on, you know. When I said the audience will find you, <coughs> excuse me. If you have an individual voice that is not an air Eddie is either an airsatz uh, jimmy Carr or harry hill or whatever people that you may may appri- you know you may want to be like if you find your own voice and you can uh, you can make it uh enjoyable and humorous then the bookings will come and then audiences will see you and then audiences will become loyal to you and say i like that because i i chime with that that he says he or she says something that i understand and is universal you know to my world um There will always be another you out there wanting to listen to you. But you have to find a way of of communicating that. And then, having found a way of communicating it, find the spaces to do it in. That's the key. Yeah. Yeah, but that's that's ever been the case. Whether you were an opera singer in 1910 or whatever, you know, there are places to do it and places to be seen and places to learn. And each comedy club in the country is part of that... uh, that honeycomb that's interconnected.
0: So, in a way, also pick what gigs you do because. Well, if you if you've
2: got <laughs> if if you've got the uh, the luxury of that, then yes.
0: Well, no, but I mean, you could you could you could make an effort to to try and apply to at least gigs that you think. Yeah, yeah,
2: absolutely. I mean, there are performers who I won't name who do this room and not others because they you know some years ago they realised that they don't really want to. to have to deal with a certain type of audience because it's not suitable for their material. And there's no point in in banging your head against the brick wall, trying to get something subtle, you know, laughed at, when you're you know, fighting a, a disinterested crowd.
0: OK. That's yeah. interesting. All right. Well, thank you very much. Cut. That was Peter. I really enjoyed chatting to him. He's, he's such a nice guy, and he's so learned about the, the circuit and quite knowledgeable about how it is, why it is. And I really liked how candid and open he was and he's got he's got sort of a nice sense of humour about him as well. He's just such a good guy to be around. And uh, I want to thank you for coming on because, as I said, he doesn't really do podcasts normally. He doesn't really do interviews. He likes to stay in the background, which is admirable and interesting in itself. I hope you enjoyed this. If you did, you can look up a few other podcasts by promoters. I've got one from Jeff Whiting from about two months ago. I've got one from Alfie Nooks from about two three weeks ago. Check them out. You can find them on the website or on iTunes. If you're enjoying this content and you want more of it, I've got some TV people lined up, I've got some radio people lined up, I've got some more Edinburgh people lined up, and also some people who have written books lined up. So please do subscribe, it really helps out. Please leave it a rating in iTunes if you're enjoying this and you want to keep it going. The guests are reading it before they're coming on. So if you have time to give me a... It takes 20-30 seconds to leave me a quick review, or just hit 5 stars on there or whatever. It really helps and it really gives the guests sort of a good feeling about coming on, uh, ...before the RSVP. So if you have a moment, please do that. Also join the Facebook group, as I said before. We're always having discussions in there and sharing content about... Uh, ...trying to build audiences and sharing information about the industry in general. You can join if you're not a performer. It's not exclusive to that. The only reason why the group is a private group... ...or it's like a not completely open group is so that I can stop spam... ...because I don't want just spammers joining and putting up pictures of sunglasses... ...and saying, oh, buy these Ray-Bans, they're really cheap... No, so join, you'll all get accepted, I'll just do a quick vetting process, it's not a problem. If you would like to support the podcast and you're enjoying this, please put a monetary value on the episode, what you thought this was worth. One, two, three, four pound, chuck it my way on PayPal, that'd be amazing. If you listen to five episodes, you think they're worth two pound each, chuck me a tenner, that'd be amazing. If you want to do that on an ongoing basis, please become a patron of the podcast. If you go to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, dot com forward slash ask the industry podcast you can support the podcast from one dollar an episode i do three episodes a month it will cost you three dollars that's two pound forty to keep this show going if enough of you do it i'll have time to take more time off my day job and i'll be able to and i'll be able to pump the time into making live shows which i've already started kind of doing i've sort of started sourcing an edinburgh panel and a reviewer panel so if you're interested in that and you want that to happen please 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 do become a patron and help me out otherwise you can help out is just by sharing the links with people and just passing them around and i'm forever grateful for people that do that as i said before my edinburgh show please come see me it's called buddhism and cats it is no longer at cowgate head it is at just the tonic caves and it is on 7 30 p.m every night Uh, you can find it on the website for ed fringe but you can also find it on my website Ignore the program is what I'm saying because the program listing is wrong. The next episode is going to be with Ben Williams. He is the comedy editor at Time Out, and we I had so much fun talking to him. He, we got into so much detail about how the process works at Time Out, how the internet has impacted them when they went three, how they've had to keep like just keeping their traffic going because he needs to get a certain amount of hits in a month in order to validate his job because obviously. They get paid for advertising more than anything else. So I think you're going to get a lot out of that. If you can't wait for that and you're interested in how to market your show more and different publications, go back, I think it was episode four or five. I got the Londonist on who are a publication based around London, but it will give you a really good insight into how local lit blog listings work in your area anyway. So it's worth listening to and it's worth just giving it, a you know, it's only, I think that one was only about an hour. Um, so uh, feel free to get that one as well. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you so much for donating uh, or becoming a patron. I'll see you next time. Bye.
1: Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.